Well, folks, welcome to one more edition of Politics and Random. Berto is your host. Thank you so kind for being a part of the show. We are going to have a great show for you today. Where's everybody? Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. It's kind of slow, kind of slow. AVQ, I don't think Bridge got your uh, your absent slip yesterday. Your what What do you call it? Uh, is it? Is it an absentee slip or something like that? You know, I'm just making things up. Anyway, welcome aboard, Eric Hayes. Welcome aboard, Lee Grant. Welcome aboard, Mike Cisak. Welcome aboard, Bridge MCP. Welcome aboard, Bruce Pollard, who says, I am writing something about the recycling. I hope you're going to post it onto the website, my brother. I hope so. And of course, our beautiful Yvette Avery Herod is in the house. Michael Rudnan started off the day. Michael, where were you? Everybody was worried. People were like, where is Michael? Where is Michael? Just about everybody. Take a look at the... uh, Take a look at the message message board from yesterday. It's like, ¿Dónde está Miguel? Miguel está fallándonos. ¿Qué es lo que pasa? Anyway, glad to have you here, my brother. I trust that all everybody's doing fine today. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and get, since uh, it seems like we had, seriously, I skipped one show and y'all worry. Sometimes I need an away day. Well, you know, you set the precedent, Michael Rudnin. You are the one that set the precedent. You have been the mainstay stalwart. We love you, brother. Absolutely so. I said he was so frustrated the day before, and I get it. Yeah, I heard you. I heard you, Bridge. I heard you. But I'm saying we all have tough skins. But when we need to go ahead and smooth it out a bit, it is okay to do so. Anyhow, we're going to get started. The first thing I'm going to start is a short piece on. Let me see. Let's see. Let's let's start it this way. Why is look all the numbers for Biden looks good. The economic numbers look good. But, uh, you know, he continues to suffer in the polls. I want to play you this piece that talks now about people's personal sentiment, how people feel about the economy. And then I want to say a few words about it afterwards. So check this out, then we'll take it on the other side. Today, we're learning a top super PAC for President Biden raised a whopping $208 million in 2023, according to Politico. That massive haul likely gives Biden a significant financial head start ahead of the general election. It comes as brand new data shows a massive uptick in Americans' confidence in our nation's economy. Consumer confidence now at its highest level since July of 2021, up 21.4% from this time last year. That's from the University of Michigan consumer survey. NBC's Mike Memoli has the latest from the White House for us. Also with me, CNBC's Eamon Jeffers. Eamon, we know the Biden campaign has been breaking, uh, has been banking on the economic numbers, translating to how people feel. They think things have been getting better for a while, even though it doesn't show up in his poll numbers. Tell us what these latest numbers suggest. 
Well, look, this is a monster number on consumer sentiment, and it means that consumers are feeling great about where the economy is. It's up 60% from its all-time low. That is a big turnaround. And traditionally, in any normal political environment, a president, an incumbent presidential campaign uh, would be grinning ear to ear with a number like that, and they would be able to translate that into gains in the polls. All of the economic numbers right now are, are trending Biden's way. You've got the stock market, the S&P 500, uh, clearing an all-time high uh, earlier today, just a short time ago. That's good news. Gas prices are coming down, uh, come down significantly since the summer. That's good news. Uh, the stock market, as we say, is high. The jobs report in December was a monster jobs report. All of those numbers should be the kinds of things that an incumbent president can take out onto the campaign trail and turn into poll results. If the Biden campaign can't do that over the next month or so, given the kind of numbers we're seeing here, then you would think this is going to be a year where it's not about the economy, stupid. This is going to be a year where it's about all the other things that so polarize American voters and have everyone's minds so uh, hard and fast right now in terms of where they are politically. So this is an opportunity for the Biden campaign. We'll see if they can translate that into gains in the polls. Well, you know, I don't know if they can translate that into the gains in the poll because I, I think it the, the, it's already set the, the economic numbers on the vast majority of Americans, or I should say on a lot of Americans, have been better for some time, have been very good for some time. And this sentiment says it. The sentiment has all those things rolled up into uh, into how they feel about the economy. What has failed to occur is that they haven't attributed their economic success or economic benefits to Biden. And I don't think it is that they haven't uh, assigned it to Biden. I think it's that Biden has so many other anchors holding him down, specifically uh, Netanyahu, specifically uh, his age, specifically his stubbornness in a lot of ways. Uh, and again, because of his age, he doesn't uh, see things in a new way. Now, you may contrast that with Donald Trump. Donald Trump is evil. Donald Trump has all these, neg the same kind of old negatives and so forth that Biden has. The difference is the following. Uh, Donald Trump was able to establish a cult. So whereas he'll probably max his numbers out in the low to mid 40s, and that is a winning number if he can depress the but the votes on coming from the Democratic side, that's the issue to worry about. Here is a fact. A Biden win is guaranteed if voters vote. But that is not what's the intent of this next election as far as the, the plans of the, the, the Trump administration. The idea is going to be to depress the Democratic vote. And the truth of the matter is there are a lot of things that are ripe to make the Democratic vote uh, hold back. It's kind of silly on the part of Democrats if they allow that to occur. You know, like, oh, I don't like Biden. He's too old. Oh, Biden's Israel policy is terrible. But because I don't like his Israel policy, I will make sure my domestic policy is a detriment to my family. It doesn't make any sense, right? But again, that is the kind of things we have 
to fight. So sentiment is good. That's a good start. He can start by handling Netanyahu. And that's what I'm going to talk about next. He can start by handling Netanyahu. You want to get a lot of young people uh, back in? Show some spine with Netanyahu. Check this out. And then we'll take it on the other side. It seems like Benjamin Netanyahu, Israeli prime minister, never gives up an opportunity to embarrass a democratic president or government. Uh, and in and, and doing so, uh, tries to make America looks, look weak as they are dependent on our dollars to, for, their, to, for their wars, for their genocide, if you will. And you find it disconcerting that they would, Biden and his team would remain so diplomatic. In the eyes of the rest of the world, it makes America look like the stooge, like Netanyahu's stooge. And in that, all the wrongs done by Netanyahu a burden upon us. Take a look, listen to this, and then we'll take it on the other side. New comments from Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu ratcheting up tensions with the White House and raising new questions about Israel's goals after the war. Netanyahu says he made it clear to the U.S. that he is against the idea of a Palestinian state after the war, even as the Biden administration says a two-state solution is necessary. Okay, so for those who are listening and couldn't see that, essentially, he says Israel needs security control over all territory west of Jordan. And he says the idea of a two-state solution conflicts with the idea of sovereignty. And so he says, I I say this to the U.S., a prime minister in Israel should be able to say no even to our best friends. That's how I drive. This is the latest in a series of disagreements between Biden and Netanyahu and could potentially complicate future U.S. aid to Israel and complicate the idea of any kind of solution to or ending to this war. Everybody should go ahead and read about the foundation of Israel in 1948. Please do that on your own. And please remember how Rashida Talib was they made her seem like a genocidal uh genocidal representative when she used the term from the river to the sea we knew what she meant that that territory really was a territory where palestinians israelis and everybody else lived in peace in that contiguous territory but it had no in implications of genocide. It had no implication of throwing people off the land like the Nakba or anything of that sort. But then you see the maps that Israel uh, displayed at the UN and you listen to the rhetoric from Netanyahu right now stating that, there, that he supports and there will be no two-state solution under his threat. In other words, we will remain the occupiers of Gaza and the West Bank. And in fact, 
we may just get get rid of it. And they're doing a good job in Gaza right now. And yes, we all know what Hamas did was terrorism. We know the murders that they commit was terrorism, 1,200. But we also know that Netanyahu was complicit in that, in that he allowed the continued funding of Hamas. That's not conjecture or conspiracy theory. That's a proven fact. We also know that these guys have been using dumb bombs and decimating Gaza at, 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 at high speed pace, killing over 25,000 innocent Palestinians. And we also know that settlers have just about given the green light to continue settling and taking away homes out there in the West Bank. And we, America. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Have the appearance has the appearance of complicity in this. When we can't even uh, admonish Netanyahu and Israel for claiming there will be no two-state solution and letting them know that no two-state solutions, no monies. I mean, how do you bite the hands that feed you? You know, it all. I always circle back to this and I'm going to leave these questions with all of you. And ask you to give me answers. When Biden several decades ago said, if Israel didn't exist, we, uh, we would have created it. We would have had to create it. You know, it makes you wonder a lot. What exactly did he mean by that? It is time for a change in policy towards Israel. It is definitely time to change policy in Israel. Absolutely so. Anyway, uh, yesterday, our, our good friend Alex Lawson from the uh, Social Security Works confronted uh, representatives in the GOP-controlled budget, House Budget Committee. And, uh, you know, when I saw his work, I said immediately, I called him up just before I went on air this morning or texted him just before I went on air this morning and said, hey, man, after the show, can we do a quick interview? Because I love what you did in the house. And I want you guys to check this out and then we'll take it on the other side. Let's go ahead and set that baby up. Here we go. Welcome to another edition of Politics Done Right. I'm Egberto Willis, your host. Today, we are honored once again to have Alex Lawson. Alex Lawson, the Executive Director of Social Security Works. Folks, as you know, well, first of all, welcome and, and thank you for taking this short call this morning. Uh, Alex, how are you doing this morning? Great. It's a very snowy day here in D.C., but thanks for having me. Well, you know, it's great. I mean, uh, you kind of weathered the weather yesterday as you kind of created some havoc in the hearing yesterday. Before we get started, folks, I want to tell you, look, 
Social Security remains on the attack uh, or the attack on Social Security remains. And we need to have people out there that are constantly watching. These hearings occur behind the scenes. Nobody knows what's going on until it happens many times when it's too late. We have watchdogs like Alex Lawson from executive, the executive director of Social Security Works. So remember to keep up with these guys and remember to keep these guys funded so that, you know, they're working on our side. Anyway, Alex, tell us a little bit about what happened yesterday at the hearings in Congress. So you're exactly right about how they're trying to go about this. Uh, So uh, you and your listeners know, but just to set the stage, Social Security works. Uh, And it's incredibly popular. It's popular. Democrats, independents, Republicans, it does not matter. Uh, Nobody wants to see benefits cut, right? Nobody. Uh, We have the polling. Far more people in this country believe in the Loch Ness Monster uh, than want to see benefits cut. So what the uh, members of Congress who work for the billionaire class, what they do is they try to sneak these attacks on Social Security by Um, what it is. And I I won't go super deep into it, but in a normal process, as you know, when we tried to uh, get Medicare negotiation added to Medicare, it's a Herculean task to push that entire bill through. Right. You have to do it in the House and the Senate and there's hearings and all of these opportunities for industry to get in there and block what we're trying to do. So if they're going to try to cut Social Security in that same manner, we would be able to block it, right? We'd have multiple opportunities to block it. So they know that. So what they try to do is create what's called a fast track commission, which eliminates all of those opportunities for the public to get in there and say, absolutely, keep your hands off of our Social Security. It creates a smoky backroom, a legally created backroom, closed door. The public has no access to what's going on in there. And then at the end of the process, it is given an up or down vote with no amendments possible. So just to sum it up, the whole point of this thing is to ensure that the American people's voices are excluded When it comes to the question of, for many people, the most important thing that that uh, the most important question that could be asked. Right. We're all paying into our Social Security our entire lives. It's our money. And these guys are saying you don't get a voice on whether the politicians reach their hands into our pockets and steal our earned benefits. Because they know that if they ask the American people, we say no. But to get that smoky back room set up, they still need to use what's called regular order. That gives us these opportunities to say no. And that's what was happening yesterday. Yesterday was uh, it's one more than a hearing. It's called the markup. And that's where they actually vote in the committee to advance the legislation. Uh, And it's as real as it gets. So yesterday, they advanced the legislation out of committee uh, to create this smoky back room. And what I did is I went and I brought. Hold hold on a second. I want to show people your video. 
Guys, okay. take a look at this. This is what we must have continuously. I saw this and I immediately called up Alex about it. Check it out. Security no death panel for Social Security. Keep your hands off Social Security. I have a petition here from over half a million Americans who say keep your hands off of Social Security. We don't need a smoky back room. I would like you to listen to the American people when they say absolutely no cuts to Social Security. A vote for a commission is a vote to cut Social Security. No cuts to Social Security. No cuts to Social Security. That was great, Alex. I mean, when I saw that first thing this morning, I was about to go on KPFT 90.1 FM Houston. And I, you know, it's a few minutes before I get started. I said, let me text Alex because I, I want to get him this morning to get this stuff on the show. Anyway, um, look, what you are doing are some people's work. That, that, that was important because it got attention. And uh, that sleepy meeting that was going on there, None of us would have known about it unless somebody did something performative so that somebody else would pick it up and us get it out there. All I got to say again, great job. Tell us about how, uh, how that went. So I will say that um, it's important for us to raise our voices. Uh, and there's too much apathy out there that like that it is actually only performative. Um, so. It it what I did was a bit of shtick, but it was real. We brought over half a million petition signatures, which is real, right? Yes. That's people's voices saying, absolutely keep your hands off of Social Security. That wasn't all we did, though, right? We had letters going into all the members of that committee. From uh, we had over a hundred organizations signing a letter uh, saying absolutely no death panel for Social Security uh, and Medicare. We had uh, working with our champions in Congress, uh, Representative John Larson from Connecticut is a tireless champion uh, for us for Social Security. He coordinated a letter with over a, with 116 members, Democratic members of Congress, also saying absolutely no smoky back room set up to cut Social Security. Um, so we were hitting them from all of these angles. And the thing is, what they what they do, the ones who work for the billionaire class, the politicians who dance to the tune of the billionaires, they try to pretend that none of that stuff is happening. Mm -hmm. um, and so what my shtick was, and I, I fully and happily admit it was a shtick, but it was to get there physically to that markup and say, you're not going to pretend that you're not hearing from all of us. You're not going to be able to pretend that you don't know that the American people are saying, hands off our social security. I'm going to ensure that you know and that everyone knows you know, because it's going to be part of the proceeding, right? The record is going to show that I was there, that I held up those uh, half a million petition signatures. I was supposed to leave it there, uh, but as the you could police... the cops came and they they pulled you out of there. I saw the, the people just saw that on the thing, but it's a stick. But it's uh, it's important because 
what what people know is what gets eyeballs and what we need with an, especially as you mentioned before with an apathetic country a country that doesn't think they have the power that they have we know that exactly. they have power and we need what the things that you do to let the people know no you are already empowered now use it and that's, that's that that's what it's all about you're already empowered use it now that's so important that's now, so important the, absolutely now here's the thing alex uh, too many times, there are a few Democrats that give uh, those who are doing the wrong thing cover uh, to be able to go out there and say, look, this is bipartisan. This is right down the middle. Yesterday, we had three Democrats who actually helped support this. Earl Blumer, uh, uh, Bloomer Nor, Scott Peters, and Jim Pineda. Oh, Please tell me, why would they do that? You know, they're fringe, useless. Uh, this is not a bipartisan effort. So not I, I, I'm not dodging. I'll get back to them. Um, but I want to state uh, the chair of the Senate Finance Committee immediately, Senator Wyden, that it, that's not he's not like some, you know, progress, super progressive. Right. Senator that is right down the middle. He's the most powerful committee chair in the Senate blasting this closed door commission to cut Social Security. His counterpart, the, the ranking member on that committee, Brendan Boyle, blasting the commission, uh, sent a letter from the dais. You uh, have the Ways and Means uh, Representative Richie Neal again. Not some, you know, super left progressive. This is the chair or the ranking member of the Ways and Means Committee in the House blasting the commission, calling it a death panel, which is true. Mm -hmm. Calling it a death panel, by the way, that wasn't me who started that. That was the White House who started it. So the, the point is, this is not a bipartisan effort. This is a Republican effort with a few uh, turncoat. Yeah. Democrats. Um, so you go down the list. Blumenauer, that dude's retiring. So right. why is he doing this? Well, probably to get a new job in the right. future. And, and you know what, Earl? Disgusting. And you're tarnished, right? I mean, from now on, just remember him as a turncoat who's stabbing the American people in the back for cash. Um, same with Jimmy Panetta uh, and Scott Peters. Now, Scott Peters is a particularly nasty turncoat. He his entire career has been to be a Democrat, but really the only purpose he serves is to be in there to do the bidding of the corporations and the billionaires. Remember, he is one of the pharma Dems uh, who tried to stop Medicare negotiation. He tried to block the ability for Medicare to lower drug prices, and he made it a smaller, a smaller amount of drugs. That was his job. It's just a bag of cash handed to him, and he does the bidding of the super rich. And, and, and here's the thing. There were three pharma Dems. We've gotten two of them out of Congress. I have carved it into my heart. We will not stop until every turncoat is out of Congress, and we replace them with Democrats who listen to the will of the people. Both Panetta and Scott Peters, uh, they represent, they're both California. Their districts are massively democratic. They have app. No one has an excuse, but we're coming for them. We're going to replace them. 
But I also want to say the point of making something bipartisan is to do what we're doing right now. Uh, they want us to discuss you know, these fringe Democrats as if it's a bipartisan thing. It's not a bipartisan thing. It's really clear. The Republicans are trying to cut our earned benefits, our Social Security, our Medicare, and the Democrats are fighting against those efforts uh, across the board. They're fighting against those efforts. And in fact, the, the vast majority of the Democrats are fighting to expand benefits uh, and have the billionaires pay more in taxes. That's what it's all about. And so I want to make it really simple for people. There's just two sides. One side says we're going to get the billionaires to pay the same rate into Social Security as the vast majority of people. If we do that, we can expand benefits for everyone in this country. So the billionaires right now, the more money you make right now, the less you pay into Social Security. It's inherently unfair. We're saying get the billionaires to pay the same rate uh, and we can actually expand benefits. On the other side are the politicians, the Republicans who stand with the billionaires who say they don't want to pay the same rate. In fact, they don't want to pay the same rate so hard that they want to cut our benefits. And I saw on Twitter this great uh, picture meme that just said, never trust somebody who wants to cut Social Security benefits instead of raising billionaires' taxes. Uh, and that's what it all comes down to. It's that simple. The billionaires are cheating us. The billionaires are billionaires because they cheat the system. We all know that. The fight is to get them to pay the same rate, to play by the same rules as the rest of us. And they don't want to. They're saying, no, I want another golden yacht. Let's cut the person whose average benefit is around $1,700 a month. People who are living on $1,700 a month. The billionaires want to reach into their pockets and steal their money just so they don't have to pay their fair share. That's the ugliness that we're fighting. And uh, look, uh, thank you for that. That was important. And let me tell you, the reason I want to bring up those particular three is so that you can neutralize what the postcards are going to say. And I, I think you've done a great job in neutralizing what those postcards are going to say. A bipartisan agreement. It ain't no bipartisan agreement. Alex, uh, great work. Anything you want to add before we close? Just uh, if you want to be part of the fight, you can come to socialsecurityworks.org. Uh, your voice matters. Your power matters. Never forget that your power matters. That's why they try so hard to tell you that you don't have any of it because they're terrified. The only thing that scares the billionaires is our, all of our voices raised together. Alex Lawson, Executive Director of Social Security Works. Please, please keep up that great work because you know what? This is what we need. Thanks so much. All right, folks, I hope you like that. Um, let me just tell you, right now in the chat, um, there, there are two folks that are, 
are talking utter nonsense, nothing based on facts, data or anything, implications or whatever. Just use it as amusement and not just amusement, but also only if you only they only need to be answered if it'll do a better good for somebody else who is in the chat that may believe it. But (laughs) their statements are so silly. It doesn't really nobody actually nobody no thinking person will actually think about uh, think about it. Anyway, we have another interview here in Houston. Foods Not Bombs is a great organization that four times a week they go out into uh, near the library in Houston, downtown Houston, and feeds people a great vegan meal. They do a great job. They do a great job. And the the mayor of Houston has been giving these guys tickets every, you know, every 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 time they go out there, they get a certain amount of tickets. They're up to 87 tickets right now. The average price of each ticket will be is at, at minimum of five hundred dollars and likely it can go up to about two thousand dollars. So we've been raising a whole lot of money for foods, not bomb to take care of paying these bills because we are going to, they are going to, not we, they are ensuring that people remain paid, that people remain fed. These are some great exceptional activists that are out there doing what activists do, what good moral people do. And of course, you know, there are some that care more about the concern about real estate. Well, if you're concerned about real estate and what it looks like to have a food uh, given out to food in that area, maybe you should do something about the homeless because the homeless, most of the homeless are not homeless by choice. They're homeless because of the conditions of a failed economic system. So let's go ahead and show this. Nick Cooper, good friend of mine, who is one of the leaders in the group. Well, they, they say the group is leaderless, but he plays a very important part in the Foods Not Bombs group. So let's go ahead and play that, and then we'll take that on the other side. Welcome to another edition of Politics Done Right. Today, I'm honored to have our star of the day, Foods Not Bombs, Nick Cooper. You know, these guys uh, had their their session with the cops, well, actually with the judiciary system postponed uh, for a while, and they finally met their day, well, three of them met their day in court yesterday. And from what I understand, it was an interesting scenario. Nick Cooper, Food Not Bombs. First of all, before we get started, tell us a little bit about what who Food Not Bomb is and what's been going on. Yeah, well, Food Not Bombs is simple. We get food out four nights a week in front of the library. It's vegetarian food. It's vegan food. We're 100% volunteer. We don't have anyone pay. We don't even reimburse our uh, volunteers for their gas money or anything. Um, and uh, we're an anti-war group. We're a non-hierarchical group. So we're different than all these other groups that are doing homeless services in a lot of ways. And um, successive mayors have tried to go after us with different techniques. And the latest has been hitting us with these tickets for violating the food sharing ordinance. They say, oh, you don't have written permission from the city, so we're going to ticket you. 87 times now our volunteers have been ticketed since March. So... We just got these constant court dates. We're just like going in. We sit there. 
then the prosecutor basically says, well, we're not ready to go to trial. Then they reset us and then come back in a month or two months and you sit there and you just go through this thing. 87 tickets. So a lot of us have multiple tickets. So we're just sitting there and trying to deal with it. So I think we hit kind of a breaking point of sorts yesterday. I had another one of these trials. I go in, the prosecutor similarly says, oh, we're not really ready because my um, lawyer had filed a motion. They never responded to the motion, so they're not ready. At this point, the judge is like, okay, y'all weren't ready last time. What happened? And the guy is shuffling around looking all like meek, like some student who you know, <laughs> forgot their homework or something. And uh, he's like, well, I'll, I'll go downstairs and, and look and see if anybody has responded and she's like well there's not a response on file and he's like well maybe they're working on it like what the hell he doesn't even know if they're working on it or not and it's been months you know they've had since october just to respond to a motion so at this point the judge got really annoyed with him and then basically dismissed our cases just just like you're gonna have to refile against uh, on these two tickets if you want to pursue them which they can do it with prejudice Right. She, I don't know. Maybe she needed to dismiss it more hardcore. But yeah, this yeah. is the kind of dismissal that can come back. They could just refile these two tickets, even even though they have 85 other opportunities to go after us. They'll, they'll probably refile these because in the past, when things have been dismissed, um, they just refiled. So we'll see now, how much how much can each of these tickets cost uh, the individual? Well, that's a bit of a gray area because it looks like, um, you know, you can settle when they, when you first get a ticket, they give you the opportunity to settle for 260, uh, 260 bucks. But then if they get you to court, they pursue up, uh, up to 500 bucks per ticket. And then technically it seems to me, uh, you know, not a lawyer, but is reading the ordinance. It seems to me like they could go after as much as $2,000 per ticket, uh, which would put us at like $170,000 worth of tickets. But I, I, I think that that's less likely that they're going to try to get 2000 a ticket because it's never happened so far. Well, you know, your organization, that food's not bomb. This is a story that has made it all over the world that you have a big city like Houston and it turns out that uh, you guys are doing a good thing. You're feeding people in front of a closed library. I repeat, when you guys are giving out food, the library on public property is closed and it's done orderly. You have the people come out to eat and you guys clean up after yourselves, correct? Yeah, I mean, the thing is that like, the city is almost looking for uh, reasons to justify going after us because they've changed the reason, right? I mean, you might think like, oh, there's this issue, which is the trash or, um, you know, having um, people sleeping in the area, whatever. You could, you could you have any logical issue in mind, but at some point you just have to be like, man, the city has just made up stuff, come up with so many different reasons that it's impossible to say what might be the actual motivation. Because assuming that it's like a good faith thing, like, oh, well, the trash issue or something like that is giving politicians and corrupt officials um, and corrupt uh, NGOs too much credit. You know, I mean, uh, it's basically like you, we've gotten now through discovery, Mayor Turner's emails um, with the library we know what they're talking about behind the scenes. And, and there's, there's emails that show that the library is like, you know, we got a lot of homeless people coming here because of the heat. Right. And then Mayor Turner's always trying to say, oh, homeless people are going to the library because Food Not Bombs is there. Nonsense. We're at the library because homeless people are already there because it's the only 
air conditioned building they can go into during the summer that has bathrooms and they can hang out there. Um, aside from checking into a shelter, which many either can't do or don't want to do or whatever. Mm -hmm. So, um, the, the idea that like, you know, we're the ones who are bringing the homeless people to the library. That's, that was just some idea in, in Turner's head. So, um, you know, the library is saying, let's back up a second there because I, you, I think you're a bit too kind. I think all these mayors and politicians who are trying to get you guys out of a particular spot, it probably has little to do with uh, with that and more to do with real estate. And in fact, I think you know this well. It turns out that the person who donated that area, if I recall, I don't remember the name. I'm pretty sure you know the name, wanted that place to be a place of calm for people without. Isn't that correct? Yeah, yeah. There's this old story that uh, the news has always been interested in about how uh, Herman or whoever it was right. uh, like said that, yeah, he wanted his drunk workers to be able to sleep it off in front of City Hall. And that's actually across the street from where we are by the reflecting pool or whatever. But aside from all of that, yeah, real estate doesn't want homeless people around. Library doesn't want homeless people around. Mayor Turner, his way of showing like, oh, I'm doing something to get them out of the area was to start ticketing us. Um, well, that hasn't worked so far. Um, and at this point, like I mentioned that our tickets were dismissed because the prosecutors weren't prepared, but that's just the beginning of what is going on with the city. So then another set of lawsuits, the prosecutors aren't prepared because they haven't responded to discovery requests. And then another lawsuit that went to uh, trial yesterday was reset. Because out of the pool of jurors, like, I don't know, 16 to 20 jurors that they had in the room, they couldn't even find three who said that they were willing to enforce the law, right? They're like, this law is a bad law. And it was a, it was a fascinating process because, you know, we got to watch them being questioned and they're just random people. Of course, they're not like hippies or activists or something like that. They're just whoever. So there's some people who have experience giving out food with churches, some jurors who uh, had worked for the city, some jurors who had experience in food prep, all kinds of, you know, just a complete variety of people. And by the time they got through questioning them, everybody was like, no, there's no circumstance under which I would write somebody, you know, I would find somebody $500 for sharing food with the homeless. So they're like, all right, you know, jury dismissed, failed jury. Let's make sure I get this right, Nick. You went to court or, or one of one of the one of the several defendants that went to court from food, not bombs when they were picking the jury, they could not pit, find a juror who was willing to say they will in, in, impose a law that denies your organization the ability to feed people. So the jury, in effect, was saying, I'm sorry, we are not going to let a corrupt government remove our humanity. Take it from there. Yeah. I mean, as jurors, you have to be able to say that you would consider the full range of penalties. So if you're on a death penalty case, you have to say, yeah, I would be willing to consider the possibility of a death penalty. And in this case, the maximum penalty is $500 fine. And they couldn't find three jurors. I think they needed three jurors who said um, they would do that. And um, so, you know, it's kind of an interesting thing about our, our legal system. So if you happen to have a jury pool that is so sympathetic to a defendant that they would find them not guilty, 
they immediately get disqualified, right? They're just like, okay, well, since you, you aren't open to the harshest penalty, we're going to just re you know, start over with a new jury pool. So, you know, if you already look so, you know, not guilty, just not even he hearing the details of the case, but just in principle, mm -hmm. then they can't even see the jury. So that's what they did. Now, in, in my case, my ticket was dismissed. They could, the city could just refile. In this other volunteer's case, her, her uh, jury failed. So her case is reset and she has to go to trial and try it with the new jury. So it just means that this going back to court and sitting there all morning process um, keeps going on. Now, are there laws against that? In other words, if the if the state can't get its act together, or the city can't get its act together, that they just have to call it. In other words, you're you you know you can't be asked to take off of work and do all these things when they can't find a way to hold you accountable, right? Right. So, uh, you know, there is, of course, you know, just a basic constitutional principle of a speedy trial, and this is, uh, you know, more of a uh, that is an issue that can be invoked, and and in general. I think, I mean, this is just me imagining that if judges are already getting to the point where they're like, this ticket is dismissed because y'all aren't ready, refile. If they were to refile and still not be ready, at that point, the judge might dismiss it, you know, with prejudice or even right. more hardcore thing where it can't come back. So, yeah, I think it's it's starting to wear on the nerves of these judges that these prosecutors are so incompetent. I can give you, yeah, I mean, it's just uh, amazing to see these prosecutors because you know, prosecutors in general are not really the cream of the crop when it comes to lawyers or whatever. But in this case, these are people who are used to going after really poor people for traffic violations. This is misdemeanor. There's this is a very low level crime or whatever. Mm -hmm. So this is not exactly the, you know, the best of the best when it comes to prosecutors. So they're a little baffled and how to even respond to a motion because, you know, you start citing a bunch of case law and they're just like, man, this is not really part of our job description. We're just used to, you know, complicating the lives of poor people who have traffic violations. Now, this is under the city, not the county, correct? Yeah, this is municipal, yeah. This is municipal government. Well, look, uh, I, I know you guys have 87 tickets and uh, uh, you, you've been doing very well collecting, uh, getting getting donations in. Uh, where If people want to make sure that you guys are funded to take care of this, of whatever tickets, how do they do that? Yeah. So Houston Food Not Bombs is, uh, we're on the Houston Peace and Justice Center website. So Houston Peace and Justice Center is hpjc.org slash FNB. So okay. yeah. And then you can just go to our website, um, houstonfoodnotbombs.org. That'll have links as well. And man, I, I just have to mention before we get off, like, I was not there myself, but the volunteers from our organization who were on the ground during the freeze, they save lives because the city does not have their stuff together. They had all kinds of missing roles in, in the system of trying to get homeless people into warming centers and get them meals. And if it wasn't for Food Not Bombs volunteers, I feel like some people would not be alive right Tell now. Tell me a little bit about that. What did you guys do? Because we had a terrible freeze two days ago. How, what, what, what did you all do? So, I mean, our main thing is we're going to just go to our spot four days a week, you know, rain or shine or whatever. So one of those days happens to be the first day of the freeze. And uh, so we didn't know what would happen. We didn't know if anybody would show up. We'd, we were like, maybe everybody will already be in the warming centers. Sure enough, there were people who were not in the warming shelters uh, who had shown up to get food or people who had actually gone to a shelter and there wasn't any food for them. So they had to come out into the cold to get food in the streets. There was a woman in a wheelchair. 
There was like all kinds of stuff going on, running people around to different warming centers. And then when we tried to give the warming center food, we're like, here, take this food. Also, they were, they had these weird rules about it where the people in the warming shelters had to come back into the cold and stand out there, or they wouldn't even let us drop off food unless we had individual plates for all of the people or whatever. So they just made it super complicated. And, uh, you know, I, I mean, just, I, I wasn't doing anything. I was just at home during this, but just watching the text thread of the volunteers who were running around doing stuff. I was like, this is like an action adventure movie at this point, um, because the city does not have, you know, all of these roles fulfilled. Well, I mean, I, I, I think that is commendable. And that is the reason we have a lot of organizations like yours doing good work. And we, you could teach those, some of those politicians a thing or two, the politicians not owned by the corporations, because it's not that they can't do it, Nick, it's that they don't want to do it because if they start to do it, they believe that it somehow will allow this to continue. I mean, it's almost like they just want to have these people disappear, which is not not a possibility. Anyway, uh, give me a, a closer before we get out of here. All right, y'all. We are in the streets four nights a week. Come on out. We're right in front of the library, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Sunday. Come at seven. The line starts moving at 730. See what Food Not Bombs does. And also, like, you know, we will, you know, not be silenced in terms of sharing food, but we will also not be silenced in terms of our opposition to war, this insane amount of money going into a genocide right now, uh, when we're not even able to feed and ensure our own people. So that's what Food Not Bombs is all about. And uh, we definitely need help from anyone in the community. Um, and yeah, that's about it. Thank you. Uh, Nick, you're, a, you're actually a great musician. Why don't you tell folks how they can listen to some of your stuff? Yeah, check out Free Radicals. Our new album is called Y'all Need a Reminder to Be Against Genocide. It's available on Bandcamp. Um, it'll be out on other platforms soon. We have nine other albums out. A lot of them, uh, we have hip-hop albums, we have breakdancing music albums, we have jazz albums, all kinds of stuff. We play all the time at Notsuo and at Avant Garden. We'll be at Notsuo tonight. Um, at 11, we'll be uh, at a, the, uh, the vigil for assassinated uh, Gazan poet and English teacher, Rifat Alarir, uh, tomorrow Saturday um, over in uh, Sugarland or Pearland. I always get those confused. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, but, uh, but it's uh, on your website. You have a website that people can follow yes, you on? Freerads.com and then facebook.com slash freerads and uh, Instagram is free radicals band. The information will always be up there. Thank you so kindly, Nick, for have given us the honor of having you on. Have a great Thank day. Thank you. You take care. We spend a lot of time deconstructing the news, trying to, trying to parse it into a form that everybody can understand. We try to find those little nitpicks where uh, it goes, it flies above the fray, etc. If you really like these videos that we do, I want to ask a big favor. Please go ahead, number one, subscribe to our channel, and number two, please join if you can. Thank you so kindly for watching. Keep watching. Please remember to share. We must populate the entire internet with our progressive message, a message that we know is what most Americans say that they want. So help us please join. All right, all right. I I I, I take the bait. I take the bait, Mike Cisak. I take the bait. All right? But in, I'm going to use your own data to show your lack of honesty in talking about the economy and supposedly Trump's economy. All right? Let's do it.
Let's do it. Let me make sure that you can see my arrows. Yes, you can. Okay, folks, I want you guys to see how we're going to blow his silly theory apart. Uh, the truth of the matter is, uh, this is, l- let's look at what was going on under the leadership of Brother Trump, who came in in 2016. Let's, let's take a look. Obama came in. I- I'm sorry that I can't get better than 10 years because if I stretch the chart out left of this, you will see the, the constant, the trajectory. Uh, in fact, you know what? Uh, let's just do it with, with here. 2014, Obama was in power. Uh, Biden came into power 2016. Uh, or I'm sorry, uh, Trump came into power 2016. And he left in 2020. Uh, it, okay. Let's take a look at what happens to the, to, let's take a look at what happens here. Take a look at what happened to the chart. Look, the way you determine the increase is you take you take the slope. Let's look at Biden's slope, right? Again, Biden came in in what year again? What year was the Biden's election? 2020. Let's take a look at the Biden slope and let's take a look at the Trump slope. You know what a slope is, right? It tells you the speed of the activity. And, it, and, and the, the vertical line tells you how much. Look at the vertical line for Brother Biden and look at the vertical and look at the slope for that of Trump. There's no comparison. And what we're talking about is a decline that was caused by you know whom and you know what. So let's be clear here, Mr. Uh, Mr. Um, Mr. CSAC, learn how to read these things, the, both the S&P, the Dow, etc. But also learn how to read the truity of economics, because what you've shown here is a big fail. Donald Trump inherited an economy that was growing. He did absolutely nothing to help that economy. Both Obama and Biden had to do some reinflation. Let's get real and let's learn how to read these charts. You can't hide. You can't hide. All right. We are out of time right now. And I want to thank all of you for coming on to the program. But before we close this baby out, I want to ask you to all support the program as best that you can. Uh, We are dependent on your support. We cannot do it without you. We cannot dispel the lies that uh, that feed into the minds of guys like Mike Cisak, that feed into the minds of guys like Eric Hayes. Again, they are they they are easily convinced when they don't go into the deep dive. And that's what we try to do, not only with our radio show, not only with our media show, not only with our blogs and our books, etc. But I've covered all this stuff in my books. And you know what? You can read all of my books. And guess how you read all of my books? You go ahead and, first of all, there are many ways for you to support the program, right? You can support the program by simply going to politicsandright.com support, politicsandright.com support. And this is how you do it, politicsandright.com. And that has all the different ways in which you can support the program. But 
the best way, thank you for liking the interview, Vrij. But the, another way that you can support us is, is becoming a paid member of our free newsletter. The newsletter is at politicsunright.com slash newsletter. Again, it is politicsunright.com slash newsletter. Okay. And if you become a paid member, you will be able to read all our books free of charge. And not only the five books that I've already written, but all the subsequent books. So I want to ask you so kindly to please go to politicsunright.com slash newsletter and become, if you're already a free member, please become, I mean, a free subscriber, please become a paid subscriber. It's like saying, I want to give Politics Done Right a coffee a month. And in doing so, I ensure that he can continue to tell the truth. He can continue to write these blogs. He can continue to put out these memes, these TikToks, Instagram. I do all of it. And if you want to find out all the different things that we do here, go to Politics Done. I need to put that in here. Politics. Po uh, let me write it here. Uh, politics Done Right. Politics done right did i spell that right when why, why am i making all these mistakes politics done right.com slash link tree go to politics done right.com slash link tree let me see if that's the right way it's done yeah go to politics done right.com slash link tree and you will get a chance to see all the different places that we're at i need to I'm still adding, adding the, the appropriate links in there, but go to politicsandright.linkstream. But please subscribe to our newsletter, politicsandright.com slash newsletter. Become a paid member and read all our stuff. Anyway, folks, I got to get out of here. My name is Egberto Willis. This is Politics and Right. And you guys know how I end this, baby. I am what? We spend a lot of time deconstructing the news, trying to, trying to parse it into a form that everybody can understand. We try to find those little nitpicks where uh, it goes, it flies above the fray, etc. If you really like these videos that we do, I want to ask a big favor. Please go ahead, number one, subscribe to our channel, and number two, please join if you can. Thank you so kindly for watching. Keep watching. Please remember to share. We must populate the entire internet with our progressive message, a message that we know is what most Americans say that they want. So help us please join.